What's up, what's up? Welcome back to the Beauty Inspires Beauty Podcast. I'm your host, Jessica Burgio. God, I'm so excited. We got a virgin on the show. <laughs> this is amazing because I, I just, I feel special to have this guest on and you'll feel special after you listen to this episode because we're going to unpack and share and kind of lift the curtain as to how she got where she is. Um, but today we've got Carissa Mott in the house. What's up, girl? What's up? Thanks for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure. So she is uh, known as Hair Maddie on Instagram. You guys can follow her at Hair Maddie. And she is an independent educator, founder of New Era Blonding, which is on tour now. I just had the um, amazing experience of going to one of her classes locally in San Diego. We'll get more into that, but it was epic. And I just literally like adore people who just show up authentically as themselves doing exactly what they want to be doing. She specializes in luxury lived in color, blondes, brunettes, and my favorite, she did a reverse balayage in the class, which I'd like to think I created like 15 years ago, but I <laughs> in a much better way at the class, um, a little bit more structured and just the way that she taught it was so amazing. So it was nice to see, like, she has a range of what she does, but also really has niched down and specializes in all of those blunt, those techniques along with um, hand tight extensions. So welcome to the show, girl. I'm so excited to be here. Okay. So first of all, how are you? I know you're in the middle of your crazy tour. Like how's life touring right now? Um, I'm doing good. I'm a little tired. I, I like to overbook myself with too many things, but I thrive better that way as well. So it's a blessing and a curse, but I'm, I'm doing good. I'm excited. We're, we just finished the second class on the tour and we're heading to our third next weekend in Austin. So I'm pretty excited because um, here on out, everything is going to be traveling. So it should be interesting. <laughs> That's amazing. Okay. So we're going to dive into how you navigate both worlds of being behind the chair and traveling for education. I definitely want to like pick your brain on that, but how was your time in San Diego when you were here? Did you enjoy it here? Yes, I love San Diego. It's such a pretty place. I, I was born um, in Orange County, so I'm obviously familiar, and I I love the beach. Um, but my San Diego class was awesome. We have friends there. We made a weekend out of it, and it was just so fun. And all the people at the class were amazing, too. I thought it was a really good group of um, stylists. The energy was really good. And nobody was like quiet or like too shy to ask. I felt like it was like super intimate, which like that's what I based my classes um, all about. I want it to be like where people feel confident and they can come in and they can be themselves. And I think it went really well. I mean, you were there. Did you like it? Yeah, (laughs) I have to tell you, like I haven't been to an in-person education class, like a technical class like that um, in a couple years. And like your class was the first one that I saw posted that just like really inspired me. And I knew it was in a local salon and I like, I'm like, okay, not only can I support you teaching the class, I'm going to go network and learn some things. And then also I can go meet some new salon owners in town and just like, kind of see what their vibe is like. And shout out to green anchor salon. That salon is super cute. The girls that run that place are just awesome. I love the vibe of the salon too. Um, and I think, yeah, I think keeping the classes intimate really, made me feel confident to like raise my hand and to participate. And I could see that vibe within people in there too. Um, and there was that one girl in the front, she was asking like a ton of questions and I just, I love people like that. Like sometimes you're like, really another question. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, I was wondering the same thing or like (laughs) 
like you almost don't know what you don't know and then often, yeah often like I'm old like I've been around the game for 20 fucking years like I think I know everything but I don't know shit that's new like I know the old stuff but like so having her ask questions to make me like think about things differently I really love too and I love that you know you showed everything in detail it wasn't like we saw the before and then we saw the after and we were like well, I yeah. do that we got to see everything in between and um I think just getting back in person just felt so good so good I know a lot of people keep asking me if I'm going to do online education and I think it's something that I want to do like in the future maybe when I start a family or something and I can't like be bouncing off airplanes all around the, the world. But, um, I definitely think in person is where it's at. Cause you just get to like communicate and see and like feel the energy. And I think we're just with COVID, like everybody's doing so much online stuff. It's like, people want that interaction, you know? So, so I, know. I know, I feel like I can't wait to restart in-person events. And that's where like, I'm going to call you and personally invite you to come host a workshop with me at my new. Oh my gosh. Yes. So I came on a new venture. I'm not opening it. I sold my salon, but it's down the hall from where I took a new loft and I am creating like a workshop space for in-person events because I too was craving them. And I'm like, put your money where your mouth is and start hosting them yourself or bringing people into host just like to do that class. So, um, I would love to just workshop around like building your business. I love talking about business stuff and I, yeah. and I love the technical stuff too, but you know, in transparency. So you guys know, like I put myself in that room at her class. Yes. To learn more things behind the chair, but like my goal is to remove myself from behind the chair business. Eventually I'd love to retire from that and go more into the business coaching. Like you guys know, and I'm obsessed with podcasting, but it's like when you put yourself in a room where you can network and grow and have conversations with other people investing at that high level, that is like also why I was there. And I thought to myself, I want to be in rooms where people are spending five, six, $700 to go get education and to learn the things. And so, you know, I got my biggest takeaway in that class. It was so cool. I didn't even get to tell you, but the girl that was asking all those questions, she like moved to the back and sat on the couch. And at one point I went and sat next to her and she, she turns and she looks at me and she goes, don't you have a podcast? And I was like, yes, I do. She goes, I listen to it all the time. And I was like, Oh my God, I'm a fan here too. What yeah. So, it was, like, so awesome. it was so cool because like, sometimes you think you're doing all the things and you're like, am I even getting traction? And then to take that, spend the money, put myself in the room, get so much value out of your class, but then also get my own personal little win. I was like, yeah, this is what it's all about. So that was yeah. really cool. It makes you feel like good. You're like, okay, I got this. Like, I had an experience like that. I was like literally coming home from a trip and a girl, I'm sitting there waiting for my bags in the airport. And a girl goes, um, are you here by Maddie? And I was like, no makeup, like, you know, like traveling cash. And I was like, yeah. And I automatically got like, I'm like, hi, like, who are you? And she's like telling me her name and I thought she was a stylist because like who else is going to know me you know I'm just a hairstylist and I'm like asking her questions like where do you do hair like just figuring she's like oh no no I don't do hair and I'm like oh and um I even like before figuring out what she does I asked her I was like oh you should come to my class in San Diego she said she lived in like LA or something and she's like no I don't do hair I work in surgery but I'm moving to Arizona and um my sister lives there and I follow you and I want you to do my hair and I was like oh my god <laughs> <That's> <laughs> okay a, well that speaks to the level of and I was just going over this with a client about you need to talk more about than what just 
find your words, Jess. You need to talk more about who you are and not just what you do as far as like education. People are drawn to you because of who you are. And like mm-hmm. I was telling her a story before we hit record about, you know, being yourself and like truly authentically being able to like show that to people. And she was saying she doesn't get on stories and do a ton of like face-to-face social media stuff. And I was like, but yet here you are having a thriving, successful, sold out educational tour. Um, so there's so many ways to get from A to B. Like, can you walk us through kind of your journey of I have a cat showing up on social, but in a way that was like authentic to you mm-hmm. that you built the business that you have? Because you have quite a following. So obviously you're doing something on there that's more than just posting pictures. I mean, honestly, I think a lot of it um, is just organic. Um, and I was lucky enough to like, come into Instagram when it be first became a thing where like it wasn't all about like the followers the likes and all that stuff and I mean over time it's grown obviously but I've tried doing like the lives or like getting on to talk and like it's just not my thing and I think a lot of um people in our industry there's there's some people that kill it in that department you know like they're just all their whole face is like their Instagram and like people like that. But I think like, um, when it comes to long term, like you're going to gravitate towards the people that you want to gravitate towards the most, I guess. Like I, I follow certain people that are the same vibe as me. Like, I'm not going to go follow somebody that's like way out there. I mean, I might like to like look at their stuff or whatever, but I mean, I think it's just like, if you like somebody, like you don't have to put yourself out there in an uncomfortable manner just to follow what everybody else is doing. What works for them works for them, but like what works for me works for me, you know? And there's times that I get on there and I like do stuff that I don't usually do just to kind of see. And, you know, I feel like sometimes it works and I get like the reaction that I might, I'm maybe wanting, but I also think I just like sticking to what is I know is the best and everybody seems to like it. So, I mean, I, I definitely think it's organic. I don't really try to like step out of the norm because I don't want to like be uncomfortable in my own skin and I want to like stay true to who I am. I'm like, I don't need to like be all over the internet and be like, yeah, like crazy, but that's just me. But I will say, so I hear you, I hear you. But what you're doing by being on tour and putting yourself in rooms with a bunch of people you don't know is your own version of showing up. Yeah. And it's scary. It is. (laughs) We were talking about fear. You caught a little bit of my live earlier. I had to get on because I just felt like so many of us get stuck in this fear of trying the thing or putting yourself out there, whether it's online or whether it's in person doing education. Like, how did you know your classes were going to sell out? You didn't like, you probably booked all your flights, booked all your shit and just was like, let's hope this goes. Literally. I'm going on lots of little vacations this year. Like <laughs> yeah. person. But like, how did you step into this education space? Because the way that you had us do the social media for you, um, during the class was brilliant. And I just have to talk about that for one second. So we sat down in the class and right away, her and the assistant both, um, encouraged us to like take lots of pictures, post tag, obviously everyone's into that. Right. And majority of the people did. And she did like a little challenge, like whoever's story or like real, we like the most, we'll give you guys a prize at the end. 
And so people were like really engaged and taking video and like I did, it was super cool. I would have probably done it anyways, but I love that there was like a little competitive component to where somebody was going to win something for doing that. And that's like the social proof that is needed. And that speaks 10 times more than having you get on selling yourself. Mm. Other people share testimonials of your shit. Like that is gold. That is liquid gold. But I tell people like, if you don't have social proof that you are doing the damn thing and that people love you, like people are only going to take what you say, you know, so far. So that's brilliant marketing. And I I am sure you know that, but like, just so you know, thanks. (laughs) It was really cool. So talk us through like how you got into the education thing and how you decided to do this tour. Oh gosh. Okay. Um, so funny story. I never wanted to do education ever. I can see see that. I can see that. Yeah, it's just, um, and honestly, it was, again, back to fear. Um, It was just my own fear of, like, failing or, like, not being good enough or are people going to like me or, like, is anything I say, you know, like, relevant? Like, it was just, like, all in my head. And um, the way that it came to be was during um, the the beginning of the pandemic, obviously, everything was, like, really crazy and, like, people weren't working and... I was kind of just drained behind the chair. I had owned my own salon. Um, I was working a lot and then having obviously to do the business part of it too. And I was, I couldn't take any more clients and I, I'm like, I can't work any more days. And I was kind of like capped out uh, price wise. Um, I just like couldn't charge anymore or I wasn't wanting to, you know? Um, and I was like, what can I do to, you know, like kind of like step away and um really just be like what can I bring in extra at first it was like what can I bring in extra I mean real like income so I'm not like starving myself behind the chair and you know I thought about it I thought about it I was like no I just don't want to do it and a lot of it just came from like my friends and people like close to me in the industry and they're like, your Maudie Mel is like amazing. You have to teach. You have to teach. You don't nobody like you just don't do it like anybody else. Like you'd be a great educator. And I was I mean, honestly, at the end of the day, the one person that kept putting it in my ear was my ex business partner. You know, that's something that I can give her. Um, and she kind of she was she's an educator and she just kept saying, like, you have to do this. And I was just like, I don't want to educate like just don't want to do it. Like, what am I going to say? Like, who's going to come to my classes? And, um, we ended up having a fall falling out and I sold my business. And, um, one of my ex coworkers, um, she had opened up her own slot and she was like, will you come teach? And I was like, I don't really want to. She's like, please like begging me. She's like, you'll do great. And I finally just kind of was like sitting back, like, I mean, what's the worst case scenario? Like, um, oops, sorry, somebody like calling. Oh. Um, like what's the worst case scenario? Like people don't come or I only get like five people, like somebody's gonna show up. Yep. And so I um launched my first class and it sold out like I think in weeks. I was just like, whoa. It was like 23 people. Um, and it was amazing. I did. I did a full transformation on a Hispanic girl from start to finish and she cried 
And everybody was like, that was so awesome. And I was on such a high that I was like, okay, I'm going to book my next one. <laughs> and that's just like where it, it kind of started. Like, you know, in every class, you know, I've gotten better and my confidence has gotten better and my fear has gone down. And I think it's just, I was really just pushed into it. It wasn't something that I was like, yeah, once I'm done with school, like, I, and once I'm done behind the chair, I want to be an educator. It kind of just, it was like push came to shove. And it was something that I didn't love at first, but now I love it. And I love meeting like all the stylists and everybody from different parts of, you know, each state and just like all the entrepreneurs and like everybody just in a class and everybody's there to support each other, which I, I love the most because in this industry, I feel like, especially on social media, there's a lot of drama and a lot of clickiness and just you know, people like to like hate on each other. And it's just like, at the end of the day, we're all here trying to just like make it, you know, in our own way and like support each other. And we all want to get to the top in our own, you know, whatever that might be. And I think education brings that, you know, it gives people um, the ability to like see that they can do it too. But I mean, that's how I started. It was just very like push came to shove. I was like in a corner in like a period of my life. And I was like, okay, what am I going to do next? And then I just did it, but it's definitely not easy. You know, like every class I'm like, okay, you gotta walk out there. You gotta do this. You know, like, I don't know if any educators just walk out there like, Hey, what's up? And like, cool, confident, you know, it's scary. You know, you don't want people not to like you and like not to do a good job. Right. And I feel like when there's money involved, it's like, you want to make sure they're getting their quote money's worth and everybody leaves. But I think what I've learned the most, and, you know, thank you for sharing all of that. Cause I feel like people see like you doing the thing and yeah, "Yeah, she was always meant to do that. Everything easy for people. And it's like, that's the part of why I started this podcast was like, yes, generally most people that are on my show now have like a, they're at an after place in their story for the most part, where there's like momentum success, they're happy, like things are good. But there was always a point where there, there was like massive resistance or fear or like they could have not gone down that path of where they're at now. And so like when you pull back the curtain and show people like, oh, no, this is what really happens. And I still get scared yeah. and I still have the butterflies beforehand and I'm still fingers crossed that like everything's going to work out like, yo, that's normal. That's life. And like you never you never have like a full guarantee that anything's going to go the way you want it to. And I feel like for me pushing letting go of expectation of how I want things to be or how I think they're going to be like, you can have like a guide in your mind of like the way you'd love it to go. But like every class is probably so different, even though you're like doing hair and the model might be, you know, you just have to roll with like, this is exactly how I'm supposed to be today. This is exactly what's supposed to go on today. This is exactly what these people are supposed to hear, see, get all of it. Right. So cute. (laughs) Um, So I I just love that you continue to put yourself out there because I get the question of like, how are you so confident all the time? And I'm like, I'm not always. And like, Mm. every time I try to do something new, like, I'm like, what are you doing? You're crazy. Like, stop doing hard things. Like, just do the easy shit. And it's like, it's, it's in those wins where like, after that class you teach, don't you feel like amazing? Like you feel on top of the world. Like you said, after you taught that first class in your friend's salon, you were like, fuck yeah, I can do this. Like, there's like one percent less of fear for the next one. Oh, every time, every time. I mean, I'm on my, I think this is maybe like my fifth or sixth class. Um, 
and every time it's like I'm on that high and I'm like yeah let's get to the fucking next one and then like a week before I'm like why did I do this to myself <laughs> I miss the reality of it it's like it's not I think people look at it and like obviously you see it online and you're like wow like she's killing it you know or like tickets are so much like how much is she making those are all questions um for sure and at the end of the day it's like I'm working full-time behind the chair having to plan a tour having to get not only one model but two models making sure that their hair is like good to go for the class and I'm not gonna walk in blind and be like oh wow that's pulling red you know I have to organize like all the ticket sales I have to like do the chairs contact the salons like put together food like it's a lot of work like it's not like I'm just like sitting back on my couch until I arrive so and like some people put on even bigger ones you know and it's crazy it's a lot of stress and pressure for sure because you know at the end of the day I I'm educating other stylists and I and I just want them to be successful and I want them to have a good time it has nothing to do with me right like it's not I mean yeah I love it and it's a great experience, but it's like all the pressures on me for everybody else to like be gaining something out of it, you know? Totally. And it's so the reason why you're probably so successful now is because you already get that component of it, that you're there for them and the greater good of people to learn and have an experience with you. Um, so many people I see struggle and are frustrated because they're making it about them. And that's, that's the missing component. And I think that people that really take off when they're all about serving and adding value and like really trying to you're like whoever that tickets getting the most out of it like those are the people that are the most successful and people can see that you know yeah people can truly see that um okay. no you're good I wanted to, to ask you too about pricing um because I was going through your pricing sheet and we talked a little bit about it during the class and just like people asking questions of like how or why or you know where does the structure come from and I love how you just really broke it down in class about like how you charge and, and you went based off of like hourly value and like your hard numbers that you want to make at the end of the day. So can you break down and for any of you guys listening, you can go to her, her page and go in the link tree and see exactly what her pricing is. If you go to book a, an appointment, you can go through that and see, and she gives good um, definitions of what's needed and what's involved and what you get for that price and how much time it's going to take. And I just love how clear it is because it doesn't really leave room for the client to have questions. And I think when we, have proper communication with our clients. They can understand why the pricing is the way it is. And they already come in knowing what they're going to pay. There isn't a whole lot of consultation that has to go in after they get there about the pricing. Um, yeah. I mean, my pricing has changed throughout the years. I used to obviously be like just every ser- every service, like partial highlight, partial highlight with a cut, partial highlight with cut and base color. And I think over the years, hair has transformed into some, everything is just way more detailed and it's not just like one item fits all. It's not, it's not at all anymore. And so, you know, it's just as time went on, I felt that like in order for me to do the best job I could do was not giving my clients the option, you know, to be like, no, I don't want a haircut today or no, I don't want a toner today. Like how much more is it? $30? No, I'm okay. Like, I just took that option completely away because at the end of the day, like, this is my job and I'm the boss. My clients aren't the boss, you know, like they come to me and they go to anybody else because they're looking for you to give them like the structure of every and then the skill and the technique of everything that, you know, you know, I'm they're not sitting down in my chair and 
and being like, well, I want this toner 9NB. They have no idea. They think they know, but they don't, you know? So it was just like putting myself, you know, in the front seat and being like, this is what we're going to do and, you know, trust. But when it comes to pricing, I have it all as a package together. Um, So for example, new client, um, you know, I block out anywhere from three to six hours. I get a consult prior to the appointment. So I know what I'm working with. Um, but every new client, um, the pricing starts at five fifty, and that's because I know I'm going to be working on their head, you know, up to the longest six hours. So, you know, at the end of the day, I know how much it costs for me to go to work. I know how much my product costs. I have to pay an assistant. I have to pay a rent fee and, I have a daily rate that I want to make for myself. So that is broken down in, you know, hourly pretty much. So I know that at the end of the day, like you're giving a service, you know, that's $500, but you quoted them $300 and they sat in your chair and you're like, well, I just screwed that up because I thought that it was only going to take this long. Um, but with that, all my services include a haircut, include a base color, include a root and tone, include a style, and they don't get the option to not get any of that stuff. So it's like the works. That way you're never like left in the gray area where it's like, oh, like I couldn't add that service because you didn't want to pay for it. And so, you know, at the end of the day, like I want to hit a certain number. Um, and I have it pretty much hourly where it's like I'm making at least like 150 an hour because at the end of the week, I want to have a certain amount that I make in order to pay my bills and live a certain lifestyle, you know, and right now I don't take any new clients and everybody's different, but like when you get to the point, like where you can't take new clients, it's, that's when your pricing goes up and you weed out the old and bring new people in at that higher level. That way you continue to grow people that are so afraid of raising their pricing. I just don't understand. Like in every corporate America job, you get a raise, you get a bonus, you get paid time off, like as independent um, contractors, like we don't get that luxury. So you have to like factor that all in, you know? And I think we, when we work, we put so much into like our work that our pricing needs to show that as well. And that's just like where I'm at. Like, and obviously like if you're starting out, you're not going to charge somebody what I'm charging, but you know, as you grow, you have to keep evolving and you have to keep valuing you And your clients will see that too. If you're at the same price for your whole career, like that shows that you're not investing in yourself, you're not growing and your prices have to resemble that. But that's where my pricing is. It's, it's like a package deal. You don't get the option and you know, like they know that they're going to get everything they want in that price where they're not like, well, last time you did this and you didn't do it this time. It's like, no, you're going to get it all every appointment. And like your appointment is a luxury appointment. Right. Wow. I love that. I hope you guys listening, like are really taking that into context because for one, so many people that I work with don't know their hourly rate. They don't know their total number that they want to hit for the day or that they need to hit for the day. Mm-hmm. They don't know what it costs for them to work. They're not sure if they're ready to hire an assistant yet. They don't want to relinquish like the commitment of paying somebody at that level. And it's like, you know, that resonated with me so hard because when I started, I said yes to everything, right? Like, so it, was 20, yeah. it was like base colors and fucking bang trim. So, which I like think is like normal because that's <laughs> how you grow your, you want to take everybody and you want to make any dollar amount you can. 
But when you get to our level or even a little bit maybe below us trying to get up higher, you have to start taking value and all the work and all the things. I mean, we, I mean, you know, we spend like, I spend like probably $500 a week on color mm-hmm. and people just show up to their appointments and they're just like, well, why is it so much? And I'm just like, well, I spent $500 in color. I have to pay my assistant. Like at the end of the day, I'm not taking home $500 from your service. I'm taking home 200. Like, and that's, um, that's the thing. And it's like, no other business do people question that. And it's like, yeah, no. you mentioned in corporate that people get like paid time off and this and that. I think the problem I see with, you know, stylists or anyone in the industry doing any services is that you get so attached to your clients. You feel like you owe them or that, you know, too much. Or like, I've heard so many times, like, I know it's COVID right now. So people are like, really, you know, they don't have the money. And I'm like, there's never been more money out than there has been right now. People like plenty of people have money and plenty of people want that luxury experience. And honestly, like you don't have to be the world's best technical hairdresser. If you're giving an amazing luxury experience, like you can charge these higher prices. And honestly, like our color, the product, everything's gone up so much. So if you're not paying attention to this and you don't know what it is that you should be charging hourly, like I really strongly encourage you to like do the math on your numbers and clock how many clients are you seeing? What is it costing you a day to work? And then what are you making at the end of the day? How many clients are there? And how much do you, this is a breakdown for hourly of all your services done? And that will help you weed out. Like for me, like I still love doing men's grooming. A lot of people don't, I can do a haircut on a guy in 25 minutes and it, it, I still charge $60 for that. So, you know, yeah. that works out to be around 120 an hour plus tip if, if I'm doing two an hour. So there's certain things where, you know, if you start to niche down into specifics that you can high level your prices up and, you know, know why you're charging that. And I, I honestly love the fact that you don't give people an opportunity to say no to certain services, because like you said, people think they know what they want on their hair and not to knock any of you of your clients. Yeah. But like it, at the end of the day, if you bring in a photo, like it is our job to produce closest result to that as possible. And if that means we have to give you a trim, whether it's, you know, half an inch or three inches, like that's all should be part of the service. And so I really love that structure and it may or may not, like you said, work for some people, but when you get really clear on your hard numbers and what you want to make, like math is the path, like it should be a non-emotional, um, decision that you make of what you charge based off of those numbers, period. Like how much do you want to make? How much does it cost you to work? And who's going to pay those prices? Boom. And then that's the level you need to be at. Um, I think it's when we let it get so emotional that we tend to like discount ourselves and not charge what we should charge and then over give stuff to people. And I mean, I've been a victim of that myself too. So like, I think shifting out of that mindset. So if you've been in the game a long time, like I get that, but if you're ready to go to the next level, like the more that I charge, the more I'm willing to spend on education. So I love that you touched on that too, because for so long I would make the excuse that like, Oh, that's too expensive. Or like, I don't, I don't want to invest at that level, but like, had I just raised my prices at that time, it could have covered one day could have covered that class. And that's, that would have been a no. And then you talk to your clients about the fact that you've taken these classes and that you're certified in this, or that you feel really confident in that, or you start suggesting better services to your clients because you've just learned some certain things. So I mean, education is so powerful and I'm like, so thankful for people like you who are just showing up, even though they're scared and like getting out there and teaching us, even us old ladies, like some new (laughs) stuff and just like, you know, showing people what's possible if, if you just like put yourself out there and do the work. 
Yeah, I think too with that with what we're um talking about, like clients, especially over time, like and I can say it for all my clients and I love all my clients. Um they are like one of my biggest supporters. Like they're like, you know, you're killing it. How is your tour? How are your classes? How is that education that you went to? You know, I come back and I'm like, hey, can I try this on you? And it's like all about trust and respect. And they see that you're doing the most and you're putting all the money and the value into yourself as well as to them that at the end of the day, they see that you're killing it and they want to kill it with you. And the price ends up not even becoming a thing. They they don't even bat an eye because they know they're like, Oh, my stylist does A, B, C, D, E, you know, like where people that aren't invested in themselves and aren't trying to do better and they aren't valuing them as stylists and themselves in their business. Like you're going to get those clients that can feel that energy. You know, like you have to, I mean, it's just like, a, I, I just can't even fathom people that have been in the industry longer than me and they're like unwilling to raise their pricing. And a lot of the times I hear like, well, it's because where we're located. And I'm like, what does that matter? Like if I, I mean, I do hair in Scottsdale, Old Town Scottsdale. If I were to move my business to Mesa to freaking carefree, I don't know, like, or go back to the West side in Goodyear, I'm still going to charge what I charge. And it doesn't matter where you're at because people are coming to see you for what you can create and what you're known for. So it doesn't matter. Like, I, I just think it's like so crazy that people think it's like the area that you're in. Like if you're a really good stylist or just a stylist in general and you value yourself and your business and you know, you're killing it people are going to come to you no matter where you're at and you can charge your pricing. Obviously, you know, everybody's different and like you don't want to be lower or like super higher than like the whole town. But I mean, you can, you can definitely charge what you're worth and people just like, don't seem to want to do that. And it's like, you're in a, you're actually hurting yourself. You're hurting your business and you're hurting all your stylists around you because then they're afraid to raise their pricing and they're afraid to grow because they think that if you're not doing it, then they can't do it. You know, why would, you know, Susie come pay like $65 when she can pay 45 because you're unwilling to raise your pricing to be equal. It's just like, we have to help each other out, you know, like we work really hard and it's just not fair for everybody else. Perfectly said. I couldn't agree more. I really couldn't. And I think when I started to see people coming up in the industry, raising their prices, like the, the newer kids at the big salon that I used to work at, I was like, damn, you've only been doing here for two years and you're charging what I'm charging. I'm like, I, what is, I need to like, it just, yeah. I know that's part of the fear too, is like losing people, but really what it does is create space for those new people who value the extra stuff that you do do and the education and the like experience that you have. Um, I think there's like a timeline too. It's not like you're just like getting out of school and you're like, boom, $300. Yeah. But like over, over a period of time, when you know that you're growing and like your books are spilling up, you can't take no, like more clients. Like obviously there are ways to go about it. So it's, we're not saying that for everybody, but it's just in general, like we have to totally, but yeah, I'm, I'm pretty much based hourly, you know, like, um, and that's not for everybody. I just think, I think a lot of people go hourly once they hit that point where it's like, my time is so valuable. I can't just take anybody. And if I'm going to take on a new client, it has to be worth my time because I'm taking away from my regulars or I'm, you know, staying late and not going home. Like 
because it's a new project and it's like I have to if I'm willing to do this like it has to be worth my time at the end of the day and you know I need to make a certain amount in order for it to make sense and people value that too you know Absolutely. So talk to us a little bit about like what it's like to work with a full-time assistant. Cause I, I know even on tour, you have somebody who is assisting you and who's like your right hand. Is she in the salon with you too, as your assistant, or do you have somebody else in the salon that assists you? Um, I have a full-time assistant, the girl that's on um, tour with me. She, she was my assistant before she is now completely on her own and she's taking clients. Um, I've have filled her books, which is another thing. Like people are really scared to get an assistant because they, you think that you can't afford one. And that's where it comes back again. How much are you making hourly? How much does it cost for you to go to work? Can you budget this in? Can you afford an assistant? Is it going to bring you money or is it going to take money? So all those things factor together. Um, I personally work well um, with an assistant and I can take more clients that way. And I don't have to work 12 hour days and I'm still bringing in the same amount of money or more. Um, but with an assistant, she gets paid hourly. She's with, works with me every day. Um, my new one's obviously in training and, you know, there's a mentorship program that we go through, you know, week by week, month by month. That way, as she grows with me, by the time that she's ready to go on her own, she's not like, Oh my God, how am I going to do this by myself? You know? Um, so there's definitely like uh, a roadmap for their success. But when you are hiring an assistant, like you have to put a lot of time into them, you know, it, it, on my days off, um, most of the time we're doing like models or mannequin work, or, you know, I have to help her level up her skill because that's the representation of myself. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're not doing that with your assistant, then they don't know what they're doing. And then you let them out into the wild and then they go through, um, where they assist someone else or they go to a chair and then they have to go back to assisting. But, um, yeah, I have one assistant, um, and she's typically with me from anywhere from eight months to a year. Um, and we work side by side every day. Um, but yeah, Mackenzie, the one that's on her own is crushing it. She's with me right now. Um, on my tour because my new assistant's not ready, obviously don't want to throw her into the wild. Um, but yeah, I love working with an assistant. It's just like, and your clients, I mean, my clients love it because obviously you're not, they have someone else to talk to relate to usually, you know, they're younger. So, you know, they have their fun stories and, you know, we, we bounce back off of each other, which is great. Cause there's sometimes those quiet, awkward moments, or maybe you're just like burnt out or tired and, you know, your assistant's like, Hey, what's up? You know, it brings another level of energy to your work day, which is awesome. Um, but yeah, I can't work without an assistant. I would die. <laughs> My back would like break into two pieces. <laughs> and it's just so much more fun at the end of the day, like to have somebody else there. And it's just, I've worked with an assistant now for the past probably 15 years. I got one on early because that's how I was trained. I started at Robert Crummings here in San Diego and there was like 40 stylists and like 15 of us assistants. So that's like, I learned that's how you work. And so it took not even a year or two before we had floor assistants at my other place. And then I was like, I have to do this with an assistant because it allows you to take more clients and it's a higher level service. So then you can charge more. Um, 
And I think there's nothing better than like being able to be part of someone's career and like shape them and help them grow and like just be a good mentor mm-hmm. and pay it forward, right? Yeah. She's going to help elevate the industry and down the road, like you filled her, you helped fill her books. Like I've done that with so many of my, my assistants for clients that I maybe was ready for them to move on. Like it's such a beautiful place to be able to give a good recommendation of like, well, I trained her, you're in great hands. Like, you know, I think it's a good thing, a good way too that if, you are looking obviously to grow your business and just like level up in any other way behind the chair. Like you become an educator without actually becoming one because you're paving their way for it. I've had five assistants and they're all successful, all of them. I'm like so grateful for that, you know, and with each one I've learned, you know, it's a learning process. I'm not perfect. You know, there's some things I could have done better differently and each every time I get a new one right I'm like I sit back and I like have my own notes like okay we're gonna do this do it this way this time or I'm gonna do this or I need to slow down and add you know xyz you know for them you know especially I think after this pandemic um I really kind of reevaluated myself and what I wanted to bring to the table and I with Mackenzie, I made it like one of my biggest goals to make her successful. And she is so grateful for it. There's not a, like a time that she doesn't say she's grateful for it. And that makes me feel like so good. And that's like why I'm doing what I'm doing, you know, because you get to sit back and you get to look and you're like, wow, she's killing it. And I helped her do that. You know, like, I think that's the best feeling. So so good. And it, and again, it goes back to why and how you're educating and serving other people. Like you could just have that servant heart. I can feel that. And it shows in, in what you're doing. And I feel like genuinely I've, I've known so many people who have become assistants and not had great experiences um, and had to move on and, and whatnot. And like, they were over promised education from a salon, but like it fell short. And I, and I get mm. it's a lot to invest in an assistant and get yeah. them what they need versus just using them to shampoo and do bitch work around the place. Like um, it's truly like, if you are taking in an assistant, like have a plan and create like as much for them as you want them to give you, because it's an equal, it's an equal energy exchange, especially if you can have somebody work for you, making money yeah. for a year, you know? So um, it's a learning experience for sure. I don't think, you know, and there's been times where like, not everybody is for everybody. You know, you have to like, you know, you get an assistant and maybe like three months down the road, you're like, okay, this still isn't working out. And it's just like, and that's fine. Maybe like she goes, you set her up with someone different, you know, like it, I think it's just like taking responsibility and like being respectful enough to like have a relationship in and out of the salon with them and if something doesn't work out it's not that like you're a bad mentor maybe that just wasn't the right fit you know there's those things too so like I think people are always scared of hiring assistants you hear that a lot they're like oh like I have to have like responsibility for her and like train her and like what if I'm not a good trainer and it's like it's just kind of like trial and trial and error really yeah I agree and there's been people I've taken on that it, yeah. it didn't work out after a couple months and I had to be like, this isn't a good fit, but yeah, luckily I was able to put them with somebody else, but no, it is a big responsibility, but I, I feel like taking that responsibility will pay you dividends in your business. Like nothing else will. So I know like I hear other mentors, other coaches talk about not bringing in an assistant, not doing things. And again, this is all just like what works for you and like what's mm-hmm. working for me. So 
every time you listen to an episode of the show, like take everything with a grain of salt, like find yourself yeah. stories and like nothing's like the word you have to do it one way. There's so many ways to get from A to B, but this is the only way yeah, our way or the highway. No, um, but if you guys have any questions or if you want to connect with Chris and where you can find her at hair Maddie on Instagram, um, and she's got more classes this year that you can look for and book out for. Um, I highly recommend them. They were really fun, really good. I learned a lot of new stuff that I was um, using in the salon since I saw you. So thank you for all of that. Got me re-inspired and like kind of reconnected to wanting to like get out and teach again too. So I really appreciate you. Thanks for coming on the show. Yes. Thanks for having me. Is there anywhere that you get inspiration from or find motivation like on the daily uh, that you want to drop in here and share with us? Um, honestly, I, a lot of my inspiration comes from Pinterest, um, or just other artists in general. There's, um, like I follow like main Ivy, um, Chris Weber, um, who else is another one I really like, um, I can't think of on top of my head, but I mean, obviously you, I follow people that inspire me to like do better. They're killing it. And like, or their vibe or their aesthetic, you know, like, I mean, everybody's like has somebody that they look up to, you know, and we're all trying to like get to the top and make it in our own way. And I think it's just, um, stay like, obviously following people that, you know, are humble. That's like my biggest thing. Um, and those people are like really good educators and I feel like they kind of paved the way for like us little people. So definitely, Definitely those two. I like them a lot. Um, yeah. And I think it's just, you know, the bigger picture, like how I want to see myself in the future and like how I want to set up my life. And, you know, like um, I grew up, you know, pretty well and I have great support, but I want to pave the way for my family and my parents. And, you know, I don't want anybody to struggle and I just want everyone around me to be successful. Um, and that's had to come, you know, I've learned some hard lessons, um, and I'm always very honest, you know, like I'm not a perfect person. Um, there's things I definitely could have done differently. And it's just every day trying to be a better mentor, a better boss, better stylist, you know, I'm always going to keep growing. I'm always going to make mistakes, but if I can learn from those mistakes, like that's honestly that all that matters. Um, my biggest thing with education is just um, making sure that I stay humble. And I think education does that for me, especially with like all the stylists, you know, because I never wanted to do that because of my fear. And I mean, obviously now every, I mean, it's hard for me to say like, I'm killing it, but like people say that I'm like, thanks, you know? And I just want everybody like to know that they, if I can do it, like you can do it, you know, like it's just fear. Like, I think this is all about fear really at the end of the day. Like it's just like pushing through at the end of the day. Like what do you have to lose? It doesn't work out. Okay. Then you go on to the next project. And I think that's like the biggest thing. Um, but it's just like finding motivation within myself, you know, you're, you're, your biggest critic and you're only, you can like make your dreams happen. So nobody else can do it for you. <laughs> so true and we're usually the thing that's in the way so if you yeah. get out of your own way like that's the best advice too and you know a lot of times you just said something that like I got to reiterate because sometimes if it doesn't work the first time bitch you got to try again and then yeah again, and then try again because not everyone's gonna get a one-hit wonder and 
you know, your first, my podcast sucked in the beginning. Nobody was listening. Like <laughs> nobody was liking shit. Nobody was sharing anything. And here I am like 80 episodes later with, you know, only 10,000 downloads when I have friends who started after me who have like a hundred thousand. So, but am I going to quit? Cause I'm not as good as them yet. No, like yeah. so we have our path. And if you can just stay consistent and true to it, like you will find success. And I think when we stop comparing ourselves and just start getting like the inspiration from each other is when you can truly like just show up as yourself and push through whatever that fear is. Cause each level is going to require you to like push through that next level of fear. Like you're comfortable now or getting more comfortable with teaching, but something bigger is going to get thrown at you and you're going to be like, oh, fuck. and then you yeah. say yes. And you're going to be on a big ass stage with, you know, tons of people and it's, it's going to hit different. So, you know, yeah, I think it's just stay, staying true to yourself. Like you said, don't compare yourself to people. Cause at the end of the day, like it just will eat you up. And as long as like, you're happy with what you're doing and putting out there, whether you have 10,000 likes or 10 likes, it doesn't matter. It's like, what, once you stop not liking what you're, you're doing, or you're changing things that are not authentic to yourself, or you find yourself not being humble or grateful or like showing kindness to people that are below you is like when there's a problem, you know? Yeah. Like, I just, I hate that stuff. You too. Yeah. Uh, And karma will take care of that. But anywho, yes, stay on that side of grateful, thankful, like all the things and show love where, where you can by, you know, sharing this podcast episode, telling us what you thought, whatever your aha moments, takeaways. Um, We'd love to hear from you guys. And if you reshare it, make sure that you tag us both so that we can repost it for you. Um, This was awesome. I love chatting with you. I could talk to you all day. Yay. I know. I feel like I'm done sweating. So (laughs) (laughs) I love it. And I'm going to be in Arizona this weekend. So maybe we could connect and grab coffee or something. Yes. I'm actually off. Oh, are you? Perfect. I'm going to hit stop so we can talk about that some more. But you guys, if you love this episode, please rate review, take a second to subscribe to the podcast. It would mean the world to me if you did to get this out to more people so that we could spread the love of up leveling this industry where it should be. I love you guys so much. We'll see you on the next one. All right. Bye.